No, it's my question. What is your and question? My question is, what's our next challenge? We did a squat uh. challenge for five months and it was a draw, which is kind of frustrating for everyone that was like, are you serious, dude? Like everyone's like, get, what? I, yeah, it hurts, it hurts my feelings too. She goes, when are you going to do a 300 kilo deadlift? Man? And we'll never and I said, 300. And then she was in this morning and said, uh, Fiona, I've actually already done a 300 kilo deadlift in a deadlift suit off blocks. And she's like, I meant raw. I was like, well, you didn't say raw. Also, wasn't your back like really sore for like a whole week after that? Yeah, because I did a way too big a jump, but <laughs> still did it. And especially since I've gone carnivore and I've taken all the processed stuff out of my diet, um, it, it just doesn't really sit well with me either. So you can tell when you've got enough of something. Adrian had a protein cookie in bed. I, bed. I threw up. I, violent, I went home and I violently threw up in the shower. I don't know what it was that was in that cookie, but it messed with my stomach. You ready? I'm ready. You ready? Ooh. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Big Flex. Big Flex. Ask us anything edition. Question yeah. time, number two. Question yeah. time, number two. Now, the first question time. It was really successful. Super successful. A lot of people watched it. A lot of people enjoyed it. And we got a heap more questions for this one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, actually, some really good questions as well. Yeah. Some really good ones. I'm just looking at those now. Yeah. Do, do, um, do, well, I guess do, we just start at the top and work our way down. Are we, are we not picking any in particular? These are just the... These are the 14, 15... There's 14 questions, and then there's a 15th one, which I'm going to ask at the end. Number 12. Come on. Um, Come on. I know. I was like, good for you. Um, we're going to get to that one in a sec. All right. But basically, question one comes from Laurie, and it is, how do you keep enthusiasm and motivation with your clients? Adrian, I'll let you take the lead on this one. How do you keep, and like, as in how do we keep our clients motivated enthused? or how do we keep motivated? I think how do we keep our clients enthused and motivated and wanting to come back and train hard? Just with my charismatic disposition, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know. I just It's just something I've always done. Are you worried that now that you've shaved your beard and mustache, you're going to lose a bunch of clients? No. Because you I look so I, different and I don't know if I like it. I feel like I'm just hitting a whole new demographic. I look 10 years younger. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can appeal to the kids, you know, get in with the, the young'uns. Mm. Um, I feel gross now that I said that actually. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take that back. It no, terrible. I, 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 don't, I feel good. I actually feel great. I feel... Felt a bit weird having a beard just because I had to constantly like upkeep. Now I just wake up, ready to go. Feel yep. good. Feel fresh. Nice. Feel nice. Um, but motivation. Motivation with my clients. How do you keep enthusiasm and motivation with your clients? Uh, something that I was taught really, really early on um, and I was taught like kind of harshly like right away, like don't talk about yourself. It's all about the client. It's all about them. And so that's something that I started off doing from like the very beginning, just focusing intensely on people. And it's something that's just been a, a practice. And I have to work, had to work on that like anything else. And so it's just become a bit of second nature now. When people come and train with me, that's that's what they're here for. They're, they're for, here for the motivation and for the enthusiasm. So that's just what I do as part of my, my training. Yeah. It's almost half as much about the training as it is about just keeping them interested in what they're doing. And and um, it's it's just kind of part of how I coach, really. It's... it's um. I don't know how I do it necessarily. Uh, I think if I could jump in, yeah, yeah. I think basically one is that you want, um, like everything in life, is you're going to get a better response if you are matching with the person you're engaging in. So if yeah. you're matching in a conversation, exactly. you need to put forward a good conversation, right? But on the gym floor, if you want them to show energy, you've got to match that with good energy, exactly. right? So you're when we're show training, a lot of energy. We're, not, yeah. we're not sitting down you know, laid back. There might be times when you're feeling a bit flat, but basically when every time we get out to the train, we want yeah. to keep our energy levels high. We want yeah. them to, to feel that as well. So that's how yeah, I think about it. You want, to, you want to try to match the energy level that you want from them. Exactly. Right? So yeah, being as, like monkey see, monkey do, that sort of thing. Um, being as energetic and being as motivated and being as upbeat as you want your clients to be. That's It's kind of hard to do sometimes as well. Sometimes at the end of a, a long day, I'm pretty drained. of just constantly giving everyone everything and just being on a yeah. high and then getting home and, relaxing yeah um but yeah it's 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 i think it's really important actually now that you say like trying to match other people not being on your phone not like slouching relaxing anything like that it's something that you see a lot of in the fitness industry lazy trainers lazy, lazy trainers. trainers not good and like i said when i first started actually at Renoff, adzi was pretty hard it's like yeah. my first boss he was he was a hard ass and it was good because I, I don't like having my phone on the gym floor I'd like always always give the people who are training with me the the 
time that they deserve, the time they're paying for, you know? Exactly. And um, yeah, the the motivation comes as part of that. It's a package deal. And I think, yeah, it. so I think that's really good for the enthusiasm. And the motivation, I think, is important to have goals, right? And yeah. make your client set goals. That's why I have a goal board around the corner, mm-hmm. um, is that if you come in here and you don't set any goals, motivation will probably eventually dwindle. So I actually by have having that, them have a goal, yeah. um, that's really important. I so, had a conversation with a client of mine earlier this morning, actually, Tito. Yep. He was, um, we were talking about training and, and goals and whatnot, and I've just written him a program with a bunch of other client programs leading up to states in May. And uh, since I wrote him that program and showed it to him, he's, he told me himself, he's like, I'm so much more motivated now that I have a deadline and a goal to actually work towards. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. So I think that's yeah, really important. Basically, one, matching the energy levels that you want to see, mm-hmm. and two is um, by having goals set because then you have something to actually um, achieve. What? Okay, can I ask a question? Can I ask my question for today? Oh, all right. What motivates you? Well, well I, so I've thought about this before as well. Why do I come in here and do what I do yeah. to myself? Why do you train? Why do I train? Yeah. Why do you push yourself so goddamn hard, Nevin? Um, I think it just, Where does it come from? Um, I don't know. It's a good question, Adrian. I think it depends on what you're training for as well, really, um, because... My training style will depend on what I'm training for. What I'm doing depends on what I'm training for. Um, Why do you train so hard? But it's not 100% all the time because if I don't have something that I'm training for specifically, I might just go and do some things that are a bit fun. Like I won't be killing myself in the gym. Mm. So um, why I train when I – let's say I have a goal set and I want to achieve it and I train really hard for it is because I like competition. Yeah. I don't like – competing for the sake of competing i like competing to win yeah and and so people say no it's all fun at the end of the day it's not fun yeah don't care about having fun (laughs) the fun is at the end when you're victorious right so and that's the same with everything it's like when i go down to rugby training i have fun um when i used to play rugby i'd have fun in that competitive setting but you know, when it comes to full contact drills, I'm trying to lay out my teammates. And they're like, dude, why are you going so hard? It's like, because if I don't go hard now, I'm not going to be going as hard when it comes down to crunch time in the middle of the game, right? Like, yeah. you have to go hard. Steel, sharp, and steel, sir. And, and yeah. it's, you got to go hard. And I don't want to play a game for 80 minutes on the weekend and get beat up and then lose by two points. That's not fun. And people yeah. say, oh, I had a good time. Well, those people are weird to me. I don't have a good time when I'm losing. I'm a terrible loser. And, uh, and I, I play to win. Um, uh, as in the words of um, Will Ferrell and the other guys, Gator don't take no. I play for keeps. <laughs> so what you're saying is you want to be the very best, like no one ever was. What do you mean, like no one ever was? Come on, man! It's Pokemon. It's the Pokemon song. It's the oh, opening yeah. theme. <laughs> Boo, Nevin! I wish I had my soundboard up. Boo! Yeah. Boo. All right, good. Um, I actually, yeah, thought about this a lot. Don't know. Just need to. Just need to. Just need to push. Need to beat people. Something about beating other people. It's yep. um, yeah, level of competition that I just, I just need. I need the stress. I need the pressure. I need something. Yeah. To conquer, move past. Otherwise, I just get bored and complacent and lazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I love jujitsu so much. Is because um, every time you're training in in uh, open mat when you're rolling with people, is you're trying to win. Yeah. And it feels really good when you get the other person to submit. Like It's like, well, I, I won that. I hate when people say, it's just a game. Yeah, life is a game. The goal of the game is to win. That's right. you got to win. That's, there's saying, something but to you got to have fun along the way. And I get that. Winning is but, fun. But winning is fun. Yeah. And that's how you have fun along the way, by, by, by winning. Um, anyhow, let's, um, let's skip on to the next question, shall we? Okay, so that was my question. Okay, yeah, so now that's question a good question. Number, question number two. It's actually a three a three-tier question oh, from I Guy. Three. Yep. All right? And so basically, Guy's first question is um, preferred diet and training methods for lean muscle. Now, here's the deal, Guy, is that muscle by its nature is lean. lean. <laughs> All right? If you, are, uh, if you are, have good muscles and are fat, well, they're two different things, really. Is this like the, the equivalent of when girls say, I just want to be toned? Is this the same sort of thing? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. Guy, you are not a A5 Wagyu beef uh, with <laughs> fat interest between your muscle. I mean, basically, guys, if you're putting on muscle... It's lean. It's, it's lean. It's a lean. It's a lean tissue. Um, if you're putting on muscle and fat... Um, it depends on how much you're eating. Really, that all comes down to calories in, calories out. Yeah. If you are in a surplus, you can put on muscle 
if you're in a surplus, you're also going to put on a little bit of fat, right? Now, if you're not in a gigantic surplus and you're having a good amount of protein and you're training hard, you're going to put on a much higher percentage of muscle compared to fat. So when you say preferred diet, I don't think the diet part or like what style, whether you eat like normal or keto or carnivore or whatever, you can do it with any type of diet. It's just how you organize your macros. Basically, if you're only putting on muscle, it's just because you've got your macros perfectly, yeah. perfectly distributed. Yeah. Right. And, and basically, um, I guess to answer your question, what's my preferred method is um, and, and this is interesting. And this is actually a second question later on. I think Gavin asked about different diets and macros. Um, is I've tried ketogenic diet, like the traditional high, you know, high fat, seventy plus percent of my protein uh, of my calories coming from fat and moderate protein, no carbs. I've also done a different variation of um, the ketogenic diet where it was um, a carnivore, so it was basically all meat. So it's still high fat, um, mm -hmm. moderate protein, but different types of foods, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I've done really just eat everything, the dirty bulk when I was 125 kilos playing rugby in the US and I was just big old chunky Nev, um, eat everything. Um, and I've also that. done real clean um, where you leading up to a jujitsu comp or to weights and, and I'm still eating carbs, but I'm just trying to eat healthily, right? So yeah. I've done the big spread. What do I prefer? I, I prefer just eating normally, but being mindful about about my, my macros, where they're coming from. And as a rule of thumb, I like to go, if I'm trying to build muscle, at least two grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So if I weigh 100 kilos, I'm trying to get at least 200 grams of protein in per day. And there's actually a really um, uh, a good person that you can watch some of his um, resources um, is Lane Norton, Dr. Lane Norton, who's got a PhD in nutrition. He was also a, a bodybuilder. I think he had a world record or an American record. I think it was a world record in powerlifting at one point. Like just an all-around good strength athlete, good, you know, trains hard, knows a lot about nutrition. And he'll tell you it really comes down to your macros, right? So as long as you're getting your protein in, if you're trying to build muscle, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. As long as you're getting that in, it doesn't matter whether you get your, your the rest from your carbs or fats. It doesn't matter. Basically, if you're eating carbohydrates, you're going to be on a glycogen-based um, energy system, which means um, you do need some carbs. They're going to be your energy source. So let's say you have uh, 3,000 calories for the day, and you need to get at least 200 grams, which is going to be about 800 calories from protein. And let's just say you've had 1,000 calories from protein. You've got 2,000 calories to spare, guys. All right, So those 2,000 calories can come from fats or from, um, from carbohydrates, doesn't really matter. But if you're only having, let's say, 200 calories from carbs, really low carbs, and you're really tired and not getting the energy, and maybe bump up your carbs a little bit, right? And lower your fats down. Or on the other hand, if you're having, let's say, 600 calories coming from carbohydrates, and you feel like your energy levels are fine, well, that's fine. You can have the rest from fats. So there's not really a right or wrong. The main thing is get your protein in, and then eat your fats and proteins based on how much energy you have or want or need. Also, everyone's different. Correct. Everyone's different and people respond differently to different types of foods, different splits of calories, protein, fats, carbs, all of that sort of stuff as well. It's trial and error. So in terms of the preferred diet, depends on you. I've tried, every time there's a, a trend that hits, I try it out and I've not liked anything until I landed on carnivore. Um, just works really well for me. Able to be strong, stay lean. Like I've, yep. I've really hit a good stride with this, and it's just because I've tried everything else. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I've never been able to maintain this level. Like my energy levels are always good. I'm sleeping better. Like it just feels good. Obviously, carbs aren't that great for me. Otherwise, I would have felt a hell of a lot better eating them. So, it just depends. If you want to know what the preferred diet is, try it out, and you tell me. Just. Yeah, stick think, with something for a little yeah. while, like try and go just carbs as your preferred source of energy, then just fats, then and then just play around with things a little bit until you land on something that feels really good and works for you. Right, and that's the thing as well. It's like, um, yeah. So basically, I've done normal ketogenic diet where you're eating, you know, everything as long as it's high fats, and I've done the carnivore. And for me, I actually enjoy the normal ketogenic diet better because I enjoy having avocado and bits and pieces that aren't carnivore. Um, Adrian loves carnivore. He can eat just the meat. That's fine. He eats a lot of beef, I'm going to say. Well, that being said, I actually, I do, I'm going to change a little bit now. And um, I'm calling it meat-based. Just because over Christmas, I binged my face off. And I just miss a couple things, you know, like peanut butter and, mm. and like other types of milk that aren't just full cream milk and things like that. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to try and make my own diet. I'm calling it meat-based instead of plant-based. Nice. I'm trying some stuff. So More yeah. for it. Just another trial Ooh, and error thing. Talking about, talking about meat is that 
Marcus and Caitlin, and Caitlin actually has a question later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Christmas, they surprised me with a two kilo, over two kilo tomahawk steak. I'm going to put some photos up. That's good, right? Oh, it was so yeah. good. I got one for Christmas from uh, Megan and Fiona. And it yeah. was amazing yeah it yeah was so really good. good yeah so um so that that was good it almost made me want to go just eat nothing but tomahawk nothing steaks but, but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna not do that um, okay guys second question is uh basically what's the deal with smelling salts and can i use them for four kilo overheads now let's give you a bit of backstory first of all guy i'm disappointed i'm not angry but i'm disappointed you clearly didn't listen to the to the last podcast in its entirety we talked about it so we talked much. about this yeah megan asked this question and basically all that ammonia smelling salts do is they give you a little bump up in your heart rate and it pumps the blood around your body a little faster for a very short duration. So you have a little bit of an extra energy burst. It does not increase your blood pressure any more than not doing ammonia, but also doing the big lift does. So basically when your blood pressure goes up from doing a heavy lift, it's the lift that makes your blood pressure go up, yep. not the ammonia. All right. Um, I don't think there was it like doesn't any have, statistical physiological difference, right? No, it, it had no yeah. effect on the amount of oxygen that got absorbed from your lungs, nothing like that. It's basically just bumps your heart rate up a little bit. It makes your blood uh, pump a little bit faster around the body. So you get a little bit of an energy jump um, right then. Um, is it all right to do for your four kilo overheads? Uh, for everyone and asking guy came off his mountain bike, um, broke his arm and wrist and uh, is now in the rehab process and trying to build some strength. As a guy, whatever gets you through your overhead work, you do what you got to do, big man. If you really feel like it, strap it underneath your nose and just keep it there the whole workout. Uh, well, yeah. I don't want to like to burn away his his nostrils. But but yeah, you do what you got to do, guy. All right? Um, we take no responsibility. Is it okay for four kilo overheads? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you do what you gotta do. Yes. All right. Uh, and then his third should question. he start his three-week-old daughter on a volume or strength block? And um, actually, one of our other friends, Lewis Dallimore, immediately messaged me when he posted this. Lewis, oh, really? uh, he is a professional strength conditioning coach with a um, rugby team over in Japan. Awesome. What did he say? He's like volume, obviously. <laughs> And the reason why is because accumulation before intensification. Basically, if you want to get big and strong, you got to put the work in, do the volume, build the muscle first, and, and then, then get it stronger. Then get so it stronger. obviously the right choice guy is volume for your three-week-old little baby girl. And you know what? Regardless of how old your baby girl is or whoever you – it's always volume first. Always. Yeah. What should I do first? Strength of vo- – always volume. Every volume. time. Every time. All right. Accumulation before intensification. Mm-hmm. All right. So thanks for that shout out there, Louis, helping out with that one. But, you know, clearly the right answer. Okay. Right, then number five from young Jake, the difference between strength and power. And I'm quite sure he this asked this. In the, question. But he asked this in the last podcast, and I'm pretty sure I gave him the same answer. Said, now, Jake, you got to hang tight. We are going to do a whole series just on like strength, power, work, yeah. everything like that. I'm going to give you a small breakdown right now. When you're talking about strength, you are basically talking about max force output, okay? Force is mass times acceleration. So mass is the weight of the bar you're lifting times the acceleration that you're able to get it away from you, right? Now, here's the thing. You do not need to push the bar quick to have high force because it's very much dependent on how heavy the bar is, right? So max strength equates very well with peak or max force, right? Power is all to do with speed. It's basically work divided by time, okay? So basically work in the instance of lifting weights would be pushing the bar from your chest to the top of the uh, um, lockout. That would be a work. Work is force times distance. So uh, force in Newton meters, you could just say basically it's the mass of the bar, right? Yep. By how far you press it is work, all right? And then power is that work divided by time. Mm -hmm. So if Adrian and I can both, let's just say, bench press 300 kilos, okay, easy, bench press 300, Um, and we can both bench 300, well, we both basically are equally as strong as each other, all right? And our force is going to be pretty, pretty similar. Um, However, if I can do it in one second and Adrian takes two seconds, I am significantly more powerful than Adrian. So that's the main difference between force and power. All right. Now we will so do. How would you, how would you simplify that? Let's make it as simple as possible. Strength is about just how much weight moves. It doesn't really matter. Strength is all, strength is all about peak force is getting the amount of energy needed to move weight from one point to another. And it doesn't really matter how fast it goes. And then power would be 
the most amount of weight that you can move the fastest? No, no, it's just, it's, or it's just, it, there's a curve to it. So it's not yeah. the most weight because at a certain point, you keep going heavier, it's going to get slower, right? Exactly. So you have, you have a curve. But so basically, is that, is that what you mean? Like the, the most amount you can move the fastest, like the peak power. Yes, the, the most the peak like power. Powerful would, would be yeah. more weight, but faster. Basically saying, as um, weight increases, speed will decrease, and where they intersect, is basically going to be your peak power. All yeah. right. Yeah. So we'll explain it all with graphs. Yeah. Gra graphs are cool. So there will be a, there will be an it's episode just on 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 yeah. on force power and and work and everything like that. Um, and the reason why different attributes are important in different sports. Well, for example, in powerlifting, and this is where it gets confusing, Jake, because I know you're into powerlifting. Force is more important because it doesn't matter how you could you could bench press or squat super slow, but as long as it gets there, it gets there. So obviously, it's good to have good power. All right. That's why you train dynamic days and explosive days, because they do still go hand in hand. Um, say but force is more important. About, like Olympic lifting. But Olympic example. lifting, weightlifting, which is what you see in the Olympics, or people call it Olympic lifting, it's technically called weightlifting. That's more power based because you need to get that bar moving fast enough and you need to get your body under it so it's moving the least amount of distance possible, right? So there's more power involved in weightlifting or Olympic lifting, and there's more peak force involved in powerlifting. But they do go hand in hand. It's a good question, and we will elaborate more in a future podcast for you. Okay? Um, yeah. What's the next question? Number six, Claire. Oh, Claire, this one is a loaded question. I'm going to take the first one, um, and you can add to it as well, and I'll give you the second question. She actually has two okay. questions. So okay. basically, her first question is, um, how do the uh, monthly female hormone fluctuations uh, affect strength training? Do you want to start off with this one? Or do you want me to yeah, I'll start off with this one. Um, and I actually don't know a lot of the science on this, but I could, I could just give like anecdotally like how my clients in the past have been affected by yeah. it, or do we so want to go strictly I, scientific? Well, we can do a little bit of both. Um, okay. I'll try to start it scientifically, right? So it's a loaded question. Full disclosure, guys, I'm actually not an endocrinologist, so I don't know everything about hormones, okay? But there's a few things that are well-documented um, when it comes to like uh, female hormone cycles, and we can just call it the menstruation cycle because that's basically what we're talking about, mm -hmm. um, is that one, there's going to be different amounts of water retention during that cycle. So you will see weight fluctuations, okay? Um, in terms of performance and how it affects performance, there was actually some pretty interesting articles. I did a bit of um, scholar searching last night. Uh, basically, there's a few different things. One was looking at um, contraceptive pills mm -hmm. versus uh, people that were just doing it naturally with no with no contraceptive pills, yep. right, to um, basically regulate their hormones. Mm -hmm. And what they found was um, that the people that actually went through the full cycle without anything like, you know, trying to regulate it um, actually performed a little bit better. And they had a pretty decent sample size looking at state, national, international level female athletes. Cool. Um, or uh, athleting. Athleting in what, Nev? Um, it was a variety of sports. Yeah. It was a variety of sports. Okay, cool. Uh, but basically the people that naturally went through with their – cycle um they performed marginally better than the people that use a contraceptive pill okay okay uh but that's the first thing right so first thing was contraceptive pill if anything maybe slightly hindered performance okay the second thing we know that there's water retention so if you're in a sport that requires you to be making weight um you're going to have to probably try to sync that up with your cycle potentially by using something like a contraceptive pill where you're able to regulate when you um, yeah. go through different parts of your, of your cycle, right? So that's something to keep in mind. Um, what they found was in terms of overall performance, um, basically the menstrual cycle didn't really negatively affect performance at all. Okay. It was very marginal. Um, and what they did find, the only time that it really showed any statistical significance in negatively affecting performance was when it was really hot and humid and for endurance athletes. Okay. So basically, if you're an endurance athlete um, and you know you're going to be competing in hot and humid weather, that might also be a time that you'd need to worry about trying to regulate certain things. Okay. All right? Yeah. Um, but for the most part, uh, it turned out that it was it was pretty even board whether they were uh, regulating their cycle or just going naturally with it. 
Mm, yeah. Um, another interesting study that I looked up was caffeine consumption. And Louis actually said that there was a good study. I couldn't find it. I have to get the link from him um, saying that there's a really good study showing different amounts of caffeine ingested at different parts of the cycle and how it affects performance or how it affects performance. I couldn't find that specific study. What I did find though was a bunch of um, caffeine reviews for people that were um, on the menstrual cycle. And basically it showed that um, if you were having between three and five milligrams of caffeine per kilo of body weight um, pre-training or pre-performance, um, basically uh, caffeine was increasing uh, max mus uh, muscular force output, all right, so peak, peak strength, basically, yep. and it would increase uh, endurance performance. So we do know that if you are feeling flat, um, caffeine can help uh, combat that. That's yeah. just in general. Though, that's right? in general. That's yeah. for men and women. Yeah. Um, but what I am interested in, and I will try to find the link for you, Clear, is what Lewis was talking about, taking different amounts of caffeine at different parts of the women's cycle. Okay. That's pretty interesting. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't find that one. So we will get back to you on that one. Um, but yeah, in terms of what I could find is basically try to stay away from hot, humid endurance sports if you are on your cycle. Um, play around with some caffeine because that can help. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, um, it seems that people that are not on a contraceptive pill have maybe potentially very small um, increases in performance compared to people that are trying to regulate it. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry, I can't get any more in depth. That is um, the... the yeah. edges of my knowledge on that <laughs> in terms of performance i've never really looked at any of that research the as, as far as i can tell through the years of being a, a coach there's only ever really been very few women who have been like moderately i would say affected by their menstrual cycle and it's those few that had issues with like um cystic no, was called a plastic ovaries and that sort of thing uh where they're just doubled over in pain and crippled for a few days and they actually can't physically train. Right. But apart from that, not a whole lot. No. Yeah. So there's only only very, very few occurrences and it's only in like extreme circumstances. Yeah. So yeah, I've not seen any okay. like increases, decreases, anything like that. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I think that in the study that I was looking at when they're looking at people that were taking um, contraceptive pills versus non uh, people that are just going through their cycle naturally. Yeah. Um, was that People that were regulating their cycle, mm -hmm. they anecdotally said that they felt better because things were more like regular, they could control that. But in terms of statistical significance, it actually was more or less the same. Yeah. So they suggested in that study, um, just basically do what makes you feel comfortable and confident. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's a really interesting one, actually. It is. It's yeah. a good question. And it, it, it made me do a little bit of digging because I, I really did, don't know like the full extent of performance. And it looks like there's not like, a huge amount of research on there. There's definitely research. Uh, I was trying to hard trying to find the good ones. So yeah, we'll um, we'll keep digging on that one for you, Claire. Cool. Um, and the next one, I'm definitely going to handball to you. It's Claire again saying, I'm going to ask her as well, but you first. Is what is the best lower body and the best upper body uh, mobility um, exercise? Mobility and warm up, or just mobility? Stretches and mobility exercises. Well, yeah. it that kind of depends. Um, for what? It depends on what the purpose is. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe go with the ones that you think. Um, maybe your your favorite and then maybe ones that you see people getting the most benefit from from common issues that you see um, upper body I would say something as simple as a dislocate with a broomstick that's like 95% of the population has bad posture just because we're a product of our environment and constantly rounding using your phones eating driving everything so something like dislocates being able to just stretch and open up all of the tight muscles that run through your shoulders um, is incredibly effective and helps can help any person on the planet in some way. It's just kind of one size fits all mobility exercise for your upper body. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, or just passive hangs, a really, really good way for people with injuries, without injuries who are just tight, just not tight, need a bit of a warm up. There's a lot of muscles that run through your shoulder joint and a passive hang is a really good way to stretch under a little bit of tension, stretch everything. Uh, all at once, which is also really, really handy. It's also a really good decompression exercise for neck, spine, that sort of thing in general. So passive hangs and dislocates, I'd say, if we're just looking at um, crossing all the, checking all the boxes, those two, I'd say, are hands down the best upper body. Lower body uh, gets way more specific. I would say probably like the, the kettlebell squat pool that I do, that kind of touches all the bases as well, focuses on... Uh, 
ankle mobility quite a bit, lower back, hamstrings, hip flexors, like little bit of everything. Um, so I'd say that's probably the best mobility exercise you could get for your for your lower body. It okay. does just a little bit of everything. Well, I'm going to double down with your passive hangs. And um, although I know it's great for your shoulder, um, I use it for the back decompression, the traction to the back. So yeah, I love yeah. a passive hang. Um, I guess the side effect would be my shoulder is getting a bit of a stretch, but I love it for my um, spine traction, just lengthening out through the torso. Yeah. Um, lower body, I love a good low squat hold just because in terms of being specific to a movement and we've done a lot of squatting, I got really good benefit from that. Just getting down nice and deep um, into a squat and just holding that position. So they're, they're two that I really enjoy. But awesome. there's again, there's not really going to be a best. It's going to be depending on the person. Right? It depends, not even on the person. It depends on why you're doing it and what you want it for. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can target very specific things for very specific reasons. Uh, so it just depends. Like you're trying to make your squat deeper. Are you trying? Are you training for the splits? Do you have shoulder pain? Uh, like there's lots of reasons to do lots of different exercises. So it really just depends on specifically what you're working for. Yeah. Um, next question um, is from Gavin and he basically says, can you advise on your experiences with macro ratios on your diets? And um, again, this ties back into um, Guy's question earlier. I think the macros um, Again, they're going to be really different depending on what diet you're doing. So if you're doing a ketogenic diet, you're going to be wanting 70 plus percent of all of your calories coming from fat. Do I still have my pie chart? You're going to want 25 to 30 percent coming from protein and negligible to no carbohydrates. Um, If you're on a ketogenic diet, that seems pretty optimal. And the reason why they say you've got to have high fats, moderate to low protein is because if you have too much protein, Gavin, what happens is your body goes into uh, gluconeogenesis, which basically means your body converts protein into carbohydrates. So you're having really high fat, but you're also on a a glycogen energy system. So it sort of uh, defeats the purpose of being um, ketogenic. So yeah, you want to be on 70 plus percent of your calories coming from fats. If you are not on a ketogenic diet, it's basically one Get your protein in. If you're trying to get strong, get your protein in. At least two grams per kilo of body weight of protein per day. Right now, you'll have studies that will say, oh, as long as you're, you know, one and a half or 1.6 grams, you're not going to be protein deficient. We don't care about being protein uh, deficient. We want to be optimal, and that's going to be two plus grams. Now, you'll see some studies that would go all the way up to 2.2, 2.4 grams. I think as long as you're getting at least two grams in mm. per kilo of body mass per day, um, you're getting your protein requirements in to build some good muscle. And then all the rest of your calories and macros can come from either carbs or fats. It doesn't matter. It, it just depends on on how you're feeling you're recovering and how you feel like your energy levels are. I had um, I had a really good pie chart. I don't have it anymore on my phone of um, when I, I changed to carnivore. And when I was doing full carnivore <laughs> before Christmas, when I was doing carnivore, uh, the pie chart had two sections. One was fat and one was protein. Protein was 25% and fat was 75%. And that was it. Meat and animal products and that was all. And that, I did that for about 14 months straight through before I started making some changes to my diet. Um, yeah, stuff like teaspoon of honey in my coffee, just chilling out a little bit, you know. But yeah, that's as strict kind of as I could get. It was basically just protein and just fat and that's it. Yep. So um, yeah, it, cool. it really just depends... It just depends, yeah. It depends. It depends on what style, whether it's carbs or fats are your main source of fuel. Yep. Um, Caitlin, uh, one of my junior athletes, and she asked me, are supplements useful for junior athletes, like creatine, for example? Um, And my answer is probably not. Yeah. For the most part, probably not, Caitlin. And the reason why is as junior athletes, they are going through so much growing and building a muscle and developing – that as long as they're eating a good amount of whole foods, they really don't need extra supplementation. You don't at all. Unless you are deficient in something, yeah. like let's say you're iron deficient or whatever, then you can get extra supplementation. In terms of like um, performance supplements, sort of like creatine or protein powders, you're at, at the level where as long as you're eating a nice, well-rounded diet and you're getting good whole foods in, plenty of veggies and fruits, you're getting all the minerals and vitamins and proteins. You're not going to be deficient in, in anything and as long as you're eating a well-rounded diet. It'll just be wasted. As, that's right. And, and basically, you know, th- there are things that you can consider, I think, as people get a little bit older and let's say their diet is perfect and they've been training for 10 years and, you know, they want to really 
optimize for this and that. Yeah, you can creep in maybe some creatine here or some protein there. But the problem is you're talking about maybe a quarter percent performance here, a half percent performance there. And and at your age, um, you know, for people that are in their teens and, and early teens, um, just eat a well-rounded, healthy diet. You're going to get- Nothing yeah. beats a healthy diet. That's and, right. And this goes not just for, for teenagers, kids, uh, generally adults. Most, and I'm sorry- for anyone that we know who was listening to this who was selling supplements. But for the most part, most supplements are a waste of time if you have a healthy diet. You can get everything that you need from a healthy, well-rounded diet. Yep. If you're deficient or if your diet is lacking, absolutely you can get a lot out of it. But you don't really need it if you're eating well enough. And especially being a lot younger, you're recovering a lot faster. Um, you don't have issues with uh, like like weight issues and stuff like that. If you're training a lot more, you've just, you're just a better human when you're younger because you've yeah. got so much extra recovery. Yeah. As long as you're eating well, that's all you need. And and the thing is, Caitlin, with someone like, let's say, for example, Big Gavin, who's 140 kilos, I think he's 142 at his biggest, around there. Mm-hmm. If I'm telling him he's got to have two to two and a half grams of protein per kilo of body mass and he has to get close to you know 300 plus grams of protein, well, that might be hard because it's tough to eat just steak all day if you're not on a carnivore diet, right? Mm-hmm. So for someone like Gavin, a protein shake could be perfect because you're getting a bunch of protein in quickly, easily, right? But again, whole food supplements should only supplement a well-rounded diet, exactly. right? Unless you're deficient in something. And mm-hmm. that means you probably don't have a well-rounded diet if you're deficient in something. Sometimes yeah. genetic, but for the most part. Um, eat good, well, uh, all your whole foods. Yeah. Fruit, veggies, um, get, some, get some steak on your plate. I think that's a good way Get to wrap it pork up. Pork on the fork, and that's um, that's good to go. The answer is in the question. There's supplements. Yep. If you're lacking, supplement your diet. If yep. you're not, don't worry about but it. But I think in terms of you're going to get far more out of um, optimizing your performance by just training and eating and sleeping well at that age, as opposed to trying to you know take creatine or something like that. Yeah, I have, I've actually stopped taking supplements. Uh, the only reason why I was taking any supplements during the squat challenge was because I had some BCAAs. It's like a protein shake. It just has caffeine with it as well. It was just a bunch of coffee to get me buzzing for heavy squats which was every single session um but i actually don't get much out of it don't like pre-workout i i haven't had protein shake for a couple of years uh i i don't really like creatine i don't i don't like any of the supplements they don't make me feel very good and especially since i've gone carnivore and i've taken all the processed stuff out of my diet um it's, it just doesn't really sit well with me either so you can tell when you've got enough of something adrian had a protein cookie in bed I didn't shit the bed. I threw up. I violent. I went home and I violently threw up in the shower. I don't know what it was that was in that cookie, but it messed with my stomach. I haven't had anything out of a, a wrapper or plastic bag or anything for a really long time. And then when I started having some processed foods, it really messed with me. Uh, I, like I had just too much white bread one day, and my neck hurt. It was, it was weird. It, just, it messed with my stomach. It messed with my body. Um, you can feel it a little more when just doing the carnival thing for a while. Everything's just a lot, a lot cleaner. But I've tried a lot of supplements as well, and they don't really seem to do a whole lot anyway. All right. So the next question, question number 10, is from Kobe. What do you consider when Kobe. selecting sexercises for someone's that program? That was a typo. It's just that exercises, t- guys. How it's just dare a typo. you, Kobe? Exercises. Yeah, when selecting exercises for someone's program. Ooh. Take it away, Ned. All right. Squat, push, pull, hinge, overhead. Yeah. All right. That is the key to a well-rounded protein. Wait. Say again. Squat. Yeah. Push. Yeah. So like a bench press. Yeah. Okay. Some of them have overlap. Yeah. Pull. Yeah. Like a row of some sort. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hinge like a yeah. deadlift or an RDL, right? Mm-hmm. And overhead. All right. Cool. If you do those five exercises, you're giving yourself a well-rounded program. Yep. Okay. So if someone walks in off the street and says, "I want to train," great. And we start up a program. We're going to make sure we get those five big exercises in, all right? Now, obviously, depends on how many times a week they're training, mm-hmm. um, what level of athlete they are, or what level of person, you know, their experience in the gym. Um, you might have them doing just full body two or three times a week. You might have them doing a four-day split, two upper, two lower, right? So you can you can change these around, and you can and we actually talk about um, reps and sets later on in this. There's a question from young Harry. Um, but basically, yeah, those five exercise types are really important. So as long as you can do that, you're more or less going to get a well-rounded training block in. Then if I'm programming for someone, I'm looking at where they're lacking, where they're deficient. So for example, um, when Big Gavin was squatting, he had trouble holding his shape during a certain part of the lift and said, all right, 
um, that to me looks like the lower back and the core aren't taking up the slack that they should. We add good mornings into the program and that helped a lot with the squatting. Mm. So really the first step is, all right, have I got a well-rounded program that covered the big steps of squatting, pushing, pulling, overheads, hinging? Yes, great. Now, where does this person seem to lack? Um, oh, their elbows are kind of always sore and this and that. Well, maybe we need to build the triceps up a little bit, all right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they can't hold their shape right. We need to build a bit of core and lower back strength, right? So that's how I would pick exercises. I'm very, very similar as well. I'd split it up into six six different um, ranges of movement, basically. So there's a lower body pull and a lower body push, uh, overhead pull and an overhead push, and then a horizontal? Yeah. Horizontal push and horizontal pull. So basically one exercise in each of those. Um uh, planes of movement and that covers all of the bases that's everything that you need right there as long as you're working on those like the fundamentals i guess all the isolation stuff can come around that um but yeah um compound moves focusing on those areas and that's that's everything that you need nice yeah next question from deb what is the difference between mobility flexibility and stretching hmm. it's interesting um put it stretch and stretching flexibility really is just how like your passive range of motion i guess like how uh flexible your muscle fibers are joints all that sort of stuff and mobility is more of an active range so like your functional strength through a particular range of motion so i would say that flexibility is being able to do the splits and then good mobility is being able to do the splits between two chairs while holding a little bit of weight so you've got strength in that range whereas uh, just flexibility is just movement through the range, not necessarily through uh, a functional strength in that range. Um, and the difference between the two is really dependent on what it is that you're doing. Um, it's good to be flexible, uh, but if you're too flexible, people have issues with that as well, like joint dislocations and things like that. So, uh, yeah, flexibility, mobility, and stretching. Stretching. I don't know. I can jump w- in real the quick. Word stretching. Yeah. So basically, um, we're real similar on the on the flexibility. So I wrote on the board there. So flexibility oh, is going to be um, how your muscle is passively, right? So if you can get a, a long passive stretch through your hamstring, then you might have flexible hamstrings, right? Um, mobility is more through an active movement. Now, Adrian was saying strength through an active movement, which makes sense. But basically, um, what we're looking at is how the muscle interacts around a joint. All right, so we're bringing movement and joints into the equation with mobility. So you might have um, flexible hamstrings and a passive stretch, but you might actually have a terrible inchworm if you can't move your hips properly, right? So, so basically, yeah, I would say mobility is has to have a moving component, and it's how your muscles articulate with your joints um, would be mobility. Of a very similar. I would also say there. also say part of mobility is the joint range of motion and strength as well because yep. that's that's a really important you can 100%. get people who are who are flexible and tight at the same time mm-hmm. and so you have people with lower back issues where they uh like um cory um no, i was gonna say doesn't have lower back issues but people like taylor okay yes um, yeah. has an incredibly good squat okay. unbelievably good squat and then cannot bend over and touch the floor in front of her her hamstrings are unbelievably tight right um so you can be really, really flexible and really, really tight at the same time. And mobility isn't just having passive range. She's just not particularly like super strong. She's just like very flexible through that range. Mm-hmm. But then if she was to absolutely load her body up, well, then those other issues would become present and, and cause injuries. And what you might find is someone might have a really um, flexible back in terms. They can just like slump down and, and round their back and get to the floor really easily, but their facet joints might be real tight and they might have terrible side to side motion, right? Yeah. So yeah. that you can be tight and loose at the same time, right? So they are sort of hand in hand again, but they are a little different. So yeah, I would say flexibility really is just passive range of motion. Of the whereas, muscle, yeah. Yeah, mobility is having like I'd say strength and like, like functional strength. So when I say functional strength, I mean something that's applicable to what you do. So being able to hold a shape and do a deadlift and not round through your back, I'd say like that's good mobility or being able to do something like crawl underneath a fence and not dislocate a hip or something like that, you know, like right. being able to apply range and strength to achieve certain movements. Yep. And then when it comes to stretching, I guess um, stretching to me would be you are holding generally, well, there's two types, right? You might have a passive stretch where you're holding a hamstring stretch and that might improve your hamstring flexibility. Or you might do something like a wushu bounces, which are going to get the hamstrings moving through a range of ways. It's a dynamic stretching, which would probably be a bit more beneficial for mobility. 
yeah, but also flexibility. So, that's so again, hand in hand, the passive and dynamic stretches. Yeah, the different type of stretching that I do versus passive stretching. Passive stretching really does just slowly relax the muscles over time. Uh, and then you've got stuff like PNF stretching, which is a little bit more like more of an intense version of that. And then mobility, the way that I do stretching is more just under a lot of load and tension. So you're not only increasing the range of the muscle fibers, but you're strengthening that range as well. So it's not like you have to get flexible and then strong. It's all part of the same process. So it's just like stretching, but loaded. Yep. Much heavier stretching. Yep. Nice. Um, next question is from Hanlo. And Hanlo says, what's it like being an alpha male? Who, so, who is Hanlo? Uh, he's on my Instagram and he just sent cool. this. He's on the, hey, the bit space. Hey, Hanlo. Um, I'm going to have to assume that it's to me because he didn't send it to the Coach Badrian account. He sent it to the Strength <laughs> Institute account, which is my account. Um, so you thank said you, said ask Adrian and me, which should be Adrian and I, whatever. No. You should ask Adrian me a question. So technically he did ask both of us because that was the shout out. In the I mean, place. the, the inference is awesome. Potato, you know, potato. He's clearly asking me about um, what it's like <laughs> to be an alpha male. And um, Hanlo, it's a gift and a curse, my friend. All right, it's a gift and a curse. It's mainly a curse. Yeah, it's a gift and a curse, you know. When he gets out of his beta zone one day. I'm sorry, day, who won the squat challenge? Hey, you want to go down to who, fractions here? Who won the squat challenge? Hey, you said the word draw. You We're said going it down first. to fractions? That's you right. agreed, all right? Anyhow, um, and when you then default back to like on formula um, Wilkes score, I crush it by like 10%. But it's all right. It's oh, all right. It's all right. Anyhow. I, I, wanna, I want you to snip in a bit of the last podcast where I said, will you concede defeat? But or you didn't will win. you win? You, you didn't win, though. You didn't win either. I know. That's what we're saying. It was Neither a draw on the squat won. challenge. So, so then you, you can't have to claim go the title of alpha male. Well, you can. Because it's can't. like well, you have to go somewhere. Yeah, but didn't Where you just you say go? before that you have to win and winning is fun? So did you win? Yeah, I won morally. <laughs> Anyhow, Hanlo, I appreciate it. Um, it's a gift and a curse, my friend. It's a gift and a curse. Uh, next question is from Harry. Um and he basically asks, how do you know if you're doing the right uh, weights and reps and et cetera when you're oh, writing your own program? Good question. All right. Um, do you want to answer this one? How do you know if you're doing the right? The right weight weights and reps. And reps and et cetera. You know, when you're in your own it. program. Well, yep. it depends on what phase of your program you're in. There are a few different phases. You've got your hypertrophy or volume phase. Then you've got your, or your hypertrophy volume. You've got power. You've got strength. Um, and it depends on what specifically you're working on. Each different type of... Uh, a stimulus you're trying to elicit has a different set of reps and weights that you would use. So like before, we were talking about the difference between strength and power. One is just move lots of weight. Another one is move as much weight as you can, as quickly as you can. And then you've got volume, which no one likes. It's like the equivalent of uh, eating your broccoli when you're younger. No one likes it, but it's really good for you. Um, Very important. Yeah, uh, volume is typically lots of reps. So like 10 to 15, um, 20 if you're really mean reps. Um, Lots and lots of volume. There are lots of different types of programs like German volume training where you're doing hundreds and hundreds of reps in a session. Um, but mainly your hypertrophy is just high volume stuff and lower weights. It doesn't have to be light, but you don't need to lift heavy to build muscle. And the point of hypertrophy training is to increase the amount of muscle fibers that you have. So the whole point of that is that just the volume is what does it. Lift heavy, sure, but make sure you're getting the reps out. Uh, then you've got uh, strength training, which... This is just a whole bunch of different types of things that you can do for strength training. And for that part, I'll, I'll yeah. bring that over to you. So basically, That's your deal. Yeah, what we're going to do, um, Harry, is I'm going to point you in the right direction of some resources because you actually asked a super in-depth question. Like a very in-depth question. Right? Um, basically, there's a guy named Dr. Mike Isretail, um, who runs Renaissance Training. And he's got uh, some really, really good resources if you're trying to figure out different reps and sets and, and sort of weight schemes for hypertrophy in different parts of, of training. Um, basically, he goes off uh, maximal adaptive volume, maximal um, uh, recoverable volume, uh, maintenance volume. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of different things. And basically what he does is he says, all right, if you're trying to build muscle hypertrophy um, and everything's a bit different, he goes, but for legs, for example, he might say, all right, your minimum um, – volume that you need is going to be somewhere in like 10 to 10 sets a week and your maximum recoverable volume might be 20 sets per week mm. so anything in between all right is going to be uh, able to build muscle so again it's complicated there's actually a lot of resources that he has on his website so just google dr mike israel and then look at sort of like minimal um 
uh, and uh, minimal volume and maximal uh, yeah. volume and recoverable volume. And, and it will basically lay out for you if you're trying to do like hypertrophy and, and everything, how many sets you should be aiming for in a week. That's right. So that's a really good resource you can check in. When it comes to strength building, and is, uh, Dr. Mike Israel might have strength sets and reps there as well, is I use Prilipin's table, um, which it comes off old school Russian, um, I believe Russian uh, sort of strength, strength coaches. And that's basically what we do a lot of our strength blocks based around that. And that basically gives you an idea of, all right, if I'm working at within, you know, 75 to 85% intensities of, of my one RM, um, then I should be doing this many reps and this many sets in a session. Um, so for example, if you're working above 90%, I think he says uh, you should be aiming for really only four heavy working reps at 95%, right? Um, you can go up to eight, you can have as little as two, but optimal will be around four. So that's called Prilipin's table, and I'll link that in the comments below as well, in the description below. <laughs> so yeah, uh, two really good resources for you there. Um, unfortunately, it's just too big a question to it's unload really, really complicated. and everything. But basically, yeah, Dr. Mike Israel's Renaissance Training um, will give you a heap of, of ideas on how much volume you should be doing. <clears throat> and also Prelipin's Table should give you a really good idea on how many reps and sets you should be setting yourself. Yeah. In terms of weight, you want to be making your reps. If you're missing reps all the time, it's too heavy the for 85% you. 85% rule. All right, it's too it's heavy for rule. you. Um, you never go more than that 85%. You always want to have like a rep or two reps left in the tank, making sure that you're not Failing. If you're failing, you're pushing too hard. The intensity is too high, and you can't keep pushing that high for that long. You'll run out of steam and hit a. And a then, plateau. if you want to dive down a whole new rabbit hole, you can then Google um, uh, percentage based, so RPE training, mm. RPE based training, and that will give you the whole idea about you know one rep in the tank, or uh, I could get no more reps, but maybe more weight, or one to two reps, and they all correlate with a at a one out of ten um, difficulty rating, and that's a whole other way that you can train as well. So there's three resources that I'll link for you. Mike Israel's Renaissance uh, training, you got RPE-based training, and you've got <clears throat> Prelopin's table. You're making it so complicated, Nev, all right? I learned this in my PT course, all right? Volume, 10 to 20 reps. No, no. Power, shush, six shush. to eight no, reps. No, no, no. How dare you? Four reps. Easy. Uh -huh, Done. That's uh -huh. it. So let me ask you a question then. <laughs> if you're doing four sets of 10 for your volume block, that's yeah. 40 reps. Yeah. All right? Um, what If I do a general strength and I'm doing six by six, that's 36. Is that not volume as well? They taught it to me in my PT course. <laughs> it has to be right. No. Okay. No. It's, it's unbelievably complicated. And there's so many different people with different types of training as well. So on top of those resources, you'll probably find a whole lot more while you're looking around them as well. Um, a lot of it is trial and error. Like I said, German volume training. Like I tried that out for a while. I've been doing Nevin's programming for a while. Um, and works pretty well. 215 squats, not bad. Uh, lots of other different styles of programming over the years as well. And you'll just respond better to some than others it's lots and lots of and, and trial and error you just got to get stuck in yep see what works best for you absolutely the um second last question or the last client question comes from fiona she goes when are you going to do a 300 kilo deadlift now? and we'll never and i said 300 and then she was in this morning and said uh, fiona i've actually already done a 300 kilo deadlift in a deadlift suit off blocks and she's like i meant raw I was like, well you didn't say raw also wasn't your back like really sore for like a whole week after that? Yeah, because I did a way too big a jump, but <laughs> still did it. Um, so yeah, so raw 300, I don't know, Fiona, is it a lifelong goal of mine? I will what get you, it one day. What do you reckon? I reckon go for it for states. I might. I might try for states. Now, here's the deal. It depends on what my weight is going to be for states. If I decide to compete in the 90 kilo class, I will not be going for it. If I decide to compete in the 100 kilo class, triple body weight, maybe. Maybe, may. I would like to say 2021, Fiona, is the year of the 300 deadlift for me. It's going to happen just, this you year. You should just change everything like we did for the squat challenge. And you saw how that went up. Screw all the other lifts. No. Focus mainly no. on deadlifts and deadlift. 500 kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let your dreams be dreams, never. I will get – you know what, Fiona? Hold this to me now. You can think of a punishment, but I will get a 300-kilo deadlift in 2021. Awesome. All right? Um, I'm putting it out there. Hold me accountable. Okay, All right. So, so the, the final, final question, question is blank, which worries me. No, it's my question. What is your and question? And my question is, what's our next challenge? Ugh. Uh, we, we, we did I a squat challenge. I don't even no, want to. We did a squat Ugh. challenge for five months, and it was a draw, which is kind of – frustrating for everyone that was like are you serious dude like everyone's like get what i yeah it hurts, it hurts my feelings too so i've got a couple ideas yes one first of all we've got a great idea one of my friends in the u.s christine sent me and she actually 
is the one that recommended the Big Flex be the name of the podcast. So she's got some good ideas. Shout out to Christine, all the way over in Wisconsin, USA. Um, She said, what you can do is um, you could just do like different fitness tests or different tests that people do. And so it's not so much competing maybe against each other, but can you both pass it? So for example, in the US, they have something called the presidential fitness test, which they all do in school. It's basically like a one mile run, it's like a 1.6K run. It's as many chin-ups as you can go unbroken, as many push-ups as you can go unbroken, as many slips as you can do in one minute, and it's like a 30 meter, a 30 yard there and back shuttle test. So like that would be called the presidential fitness test. They do it, everyone does it in school over in the US, right? So we could do something like that, say, how would we how would we go? We could do something like the police academy test. Like we've been doing those tests for people that have been uh, Way too easy. We would both smash that. Right. But what I'm saying is we could then say, all right, if there's five things, who wins the most things? Like a decathlon. Right. If okay. in the police academy test here is a beep test, yeah. there's an agility test, yeah. there's a grip strength test, yeah. um, then there's like three just pass ones. Like can you do proper push-ups, sit-ups, and can you do a sandbag carry? So, all right. So as long as we can do those three, that leaves three things that you can win. Who runs the faster shuttle? Who runs the better beep test? And who has the better grip strength? So whoever wins two out of three things. I've got to tell you, anything that involves running, I'm not into. Well, you're an agile dude. What I'm saying is these are uh, examples of things that we could do. If you're listening and you'd like to see us do some sort of test like this, it could be a firefighter entry test, a police entry test, a military entry test. Some sort of ridiculous SAS thing, something crazy. Anything like that. And then we could jump in and do something like that. It might not necessarily be who's going to win, but can we both complete it, for example, right? Yeah. I think think it'd be better if it was a series of different types of tests right like some things you'd win at some things i'd win at that sort of deal that would yeah. be pretty interesting so so that's something that that we could do the other thing that i was thinking was we both committed to doing gpc states yeah. so assuming and registrations open i think it's the first of february so we're gonna be re- switched on and getting our tickets so that's everyone who i have told this week to get onto gpc and buy yourself a membership do it yeah buy yourself a membership because tickets will go live soon and they will sell out quickly i believe yeah i believe it's the first or second of february and they will sell out um if we both get tickets to that, we could say, all right, the next challenge is who has the best formula on the day? Because it's, remember, it's a three lift. It's not just squats. It's squats, bench, and deadlift. What is it's, it? How does formula work? So basically, and this is what I've been saying all along, that strength is absolute, not relative, is because it's already very statistically evident that a lighter body weight is always advantaged in a straight weight to strength contest. Mm-hmm. That's why in powerlifting, when they're trying to figure out who the best lifter on the day was, all of their totals, so the, the combination of their squat, bench, and dead, you get a total, mm-hmm. go into a formula which flattens out that curve. So it basically makes it a relative strength co- competition. In, in powerlifting, you win by getting the biggest total in your weight class. Yeah. We're not in the same weight class. Okay. So we can't compete against that. All right. So you compete against all the guys that are 75, or 82 and a half, whatever weight class you go in. I compete yeah. against all the guys that are 90 or 100, whatever weight class I go in, right? Mm-hmm. But then to compare how we went and how everyone went against each other, they go into the Glassbrenner score. And that gives you who the best lifter in the day was. It gives you a rank. Yeah, all right. I mean, that's how, that's how powerlifting is done. You have the winner of the division, and then you have the overall winners. It's done on Glassbrenner. So it doesn't really matter how much we weigh in on the day. It, well, it matters how much you weigh in on weigh-in day, which is 24 hours. Yeah. But I mean, going by that, I could just go up to, to 85 and you could, yeah, lift you could, heavier and it would still yeah, be. Yeah, of course. Okay. So it's not as strict on weight as we have been for this challenge. No, not at all. This is why it's good. Like if all you right. want to go to 80, right. if you want to go to 82 and a half kilos, you can go to 82 and a half kilos. And if you think if you put on six kilos of muscle and mm. squat an extra 25, 30 kilos, yeah. your glossbrenner score goes up as well. Exactly. It's beneficial if you increase that's, your body weight and your squat. what I plan on doing. <laughs> Well, there you go. All right, then. I'm in. You're in? Yeah. Biggest glass printer score? Well, I mean, this squad challenge highlighted how strong I am at this point in my life. I've never been this strong before. i got to, I got to ride it. i got to ride right. it all We're the way through. We're riding the way. So I, was, I was planning on getting all the way into states. Yeah. Also, I kind of talked myself into a corner with all my clients <laughs> of making them agree to do states, and now I can't back down. So I have to do it anyway. So I'm in. I'm in. I'm all the way in. Nice um, one. Much to my dismay, I'm all the way in. And just because I, uh, like the first time I've really gone all in on strength and conditioning, I usually do a lot of other skills. I'm just going to double down on that for a little while. Do a few bits and pieces here and there, but then, yeah, I'd like to see how strong I can get by May this year. And then after that, I'm just going to 
don't know, like rest my back. I'm down. For a bit. Perfect. Yeah. Alrighty. So there you go, guys. We've answered 15 questions. We've decided that we're going to do a series of fun, small challenges. And keep in mind, I'm starting jiu-jitsu again in a few weeks. So I'm going to be doing that once, twice a week. Like, I'm not taking the stage as serious as I took our squat challenge. Yeah, close. So um, it's going to be it's, it's more for fun. I'm and going, at stage, I'm going back to, we're going to go, yeah. whoever has the biggest glass brenner is the next sort of challenge between cool. us. And again, that's it's as fair as something could be because that is the standardized formula that's used yeah. across all power all gpc power i'm gonna go back to tricking a powerlifting uh powerlifting tricking and climbing again as well Perfect. start doing some other fun things as well so I'm, nice. I'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be too crazy about about weightlifting for a while i still have dreams at night about it. Perfect. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you all for your questions. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are up to 138 subscribers. I know. That popped up really quick. That was awesome. Very exciting. Uh, yeah. Also, if you have any more questions, we really like doing these questions and answer uh, podcasts. So if you have any more questions that you wish we'd answered or you've got more questions about the questions today, uh, just let us know in the comments and we'll put them into the next one. Nice. And uh, also, if you have a better idea than biggest gloss Brenner score at States, let us know. We're happy to leave that open as well. I think as for right now, that could be the goal. But if someone comes up with a great idea, I'm happy to jump ship if you're happy as well. I mean, I'm happy to just get fat and squat. That looks seems like it's going to work for me. I mean, sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Also, happy new year. Happy new year, happy everybody. Happy new year. Yeah. Yay. Have a great night. Be Cheers. safe. And we'll see you next year. Adios.